0: Croeso, welcome to Recovery Now Radio, which is brought to you in conjunction with Adveriad Recovery and Living Room Cardiff. Adveriad Recovery is a registered charity offering specialist support to those with co-occurring substance misuse and mental health conditions. Living Room Cardiff provides ongoing support and aftercare as a community-based recovery centre that has an all addictions approach including gambling, alcohol, drugs, both prescribed and illicit, sex, eating disorders, gaming, etc., or any other harmful behaviour. We welcome anyone who needs confidential support in taking those first important steps towards change and recovery. Family members and friends are also catered for. For further details, please see the Adveria Recovery website www.adveria.org.uk and www.livingroom-cardiff.com. Dear thank you so much.
1: You can get it. See
2: that last. Hello and welcome to Recovery Now Radio, brought to you by the Living Room and Adveriad.
1: Persecution, you must be a win and lose, you've got to get your share. Got your mind set on a dream. You can get it, don't hold it, now. you can
2: get it if you really want. let's recover together.
1: Well,
2: welcome everybody to Recovery Now Radio. Um, I'm Julie, your presenter, and today's guest is Dean. Hi, Dean.
3: Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me on.
2: That's a pleasure. Thank you for coming and uh, giving us some time. And uh, you've come in today to talk about your gambling addiction and your recovery. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, you've chosen some belting songs as well so thanks 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 ever so much for doing that uh, really appreciate your time um, so Dean um, we'll kick off in the usual way I think um, we'll listen to your first piece of music um, and you've chosen war in my life by John Mayer um, do you want to tell us a little bit about why you've chosen that track
3: yeah, um, well, I'm a big John Mayer fan. I'm probably the only male John Mayer fan in the uh, in the world because I've been to his concerts, mainly uh, groupies and girls that are there, or people that have got love. Uh, 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 he's a musician and a songwriter, but just I remember playing this song quite a lot when I smashed myself to pieces in the uh, in gambling, going back in the cab. I had his albums, and there's probably just one that represents it. Is a bit of a battle, you know. War of my life is a you know the the battle of gambling, so that's really I'll pick that up. Um, yeah, I just and I'm just a big fan of John Mayer as well, so sure, we'll that's it, it nice really. Said it in the title,
2: brilliant. I'm
4: not scared, I am waiting and well prepared.
2: Was War of My Life by John Mayer? Uh, great, great song there. Thanks, uh, Dean, for choosing that. um So we'll start by talking about perhaps your early life, um, Dean, and, and perhaps any indication then that gambling, you know, could become a bit of a problem for you later mm-hmm. on in life. Do you, do you want to tell us a little bit about your childhood?
3: Yeah, I um, I had pretty, I had a pretty, I would say, a standard and a, and a good, good, good upbringing. Um, I uh, uh, lived with my mum and dad and my brother. Um, yeah, no, no potential, no, no breakups, no, no ma- major trauma of, of, of any sort. Um, uh, but I did have a um, a lot of family down on the coast. And my mum and dad also had a chalet on, on the Isle of Sheppey, which is in, in, in the middle of, uh, well, just in Kent. But it's, um, it's sort of known for lots of caravan parks and chalets. So as a... Um, as a child, I was always in that environment. Um, so it will either be clubhouses, amusement arcades at the weekends uh, when we used to go down to my aunt's or to the caravans or strokes of the chalet. And, but my, my mum, my dad, my nan, my granddad, uh, my aunt and uncle used to sit around at the table and play cards as well. Quite often, caluki. Um, Probably too young to play like that. It was quite, a, I think, quite a, a difficult kind of game for children to play. So I think it's, you have to bit of strategy and a bit of thought in it but I was brought up in that environment um, and I remember I know that I know I was between five and seven because my mum and dad sold the Shey at uh, about 1982 but um, I remember being drawn to fruit machines or anything that paid out money more than space invaders or mm. I don't don't even remember the Formula One stimulation cars all the other kids, young kids would be computer games and I was always drawn to the uh, the fruit machines now I wouldn't say I was um, addicted to fruit machines at 5 6 and 7 but I was certainly drawn to them um, and I remember at one stage and I say my mum and dad sold the Shelley 1982 so it was written before that that I won I vividly remember winning 33 pounds as a maybe a six six year old kid and trying and pressing gamble
1: mm-hmm.
3: And all the other kids were standing around the fruit machine, and he's he's won thirty three quid. He's one like my mum and dad ran over and pressed collect, and they collected it on twenty seven pounds. So I vividly remember going to the. Uh, they used to have a place called Laysdown Market, and so I remember spending that twenty seven pound on a, I think a a, a dodgy uh, Sergio Chasini sort of tracksuit, you know, like the the old um the old the 80s sort of a uh, style tracksuit. So um so I definitely re- remember remember being drawn to fruit machines as a kid and
2: that thrill of the wind really yeah yeah, yeah.
3: maybe the lights the flashing lights yeah. the sound of the money coming out the bottom then me, me say so my aunt lived near mark between margate and Broadstairs, so um nan mum and aunt would always go bingo obviously i'd always go with them but i wasn't interested in bingo i just want to go into the the fruit machine uh into the arcade and, i mean at the time back in the 80s there was no real um there was no, like, no one really sort of looking at your age. They, you could just get away with it. I suppose the same as buying cigarettes and drink. It was a bit more free. No one really yeah. was worried about any fines. So, again, um, as I got a bit older, I was always at Broadstairs and Margate on weekends or, or summer holidays. And it was fruit machines again. So it was, um, but I, I remember as a kid that really got drawn to, there was a horse racing machine where you. I think there were six horses lined out. And you put a 10p in the first orbs, red orbs if it comes first, you win 10p back. Mm-hmm. Number blue, number two would have been twenty p back. But the mode one or the the um, the pinky violet would give you a pound back. And I always bet on that. I don't know if you remember, they used to bob along. And um yeah, so I was I was drawn to that as a kid, as like that would if the, the machine would have been like that to my nose and I would have seen the horses bobbling along. And so and a bit like Donkey Derby, I was drawn to that. I enjoyed the, the horses nodding along. I don't remember you throw the balls up and the horses nod along. So it was anything to do with prizes and money that maybe give me a little bit of a kick, even as a as I say, go back when I went at 33 pounds, I would have been six years of age, but then through my t- junior years up to teenage, it would have been it would have been the same. But again, I wouldn't I weren't addicted then, but I oh. just know that I would gravitated towards fruit machines and the lights and anything that had involved winning money rather than playing space invaders or yeah. any other action game you know that was it was computer uh, based so yeah so early doors i look back and go yeah i was definitely uh, drawn to it you know
2: drawn to it at that, yeah yeah at that age, that, uh, yeah, yeah yeah okay
3: yeah.
2: well that's great well we'll we'll stop there for a minute um and we're, we're going to talk as well um because you are you are a london cabbie aren't you
3: I'm a london cabbie yeah, yeah. 21 years it's probably the worst job to be a, a compulsive gambler with, you know, because it's just got the freedom to, to yeah, run in and sure. out of the cab. Yeah, I used yeah. to pick three or four fares up, yeah. get 40, 50 fifty pound, run back in the betting shop, lose my money, go back out, pick some more customers up, end up in another betting shop, North London, do four or five jobs, and that it was just the same every day.
2: Wow! If it
3: wasn't, if it, yeah, if it, yeah, if it wasn't uh, getting fares, it was credit cards and loans, you know, getting loans out to, to find, fund my gambling. So um, yeah, I'm a London cab driver by trade. Yeah. I look back, it probably not the best not the best trade to be a, a compulsive gambler because of the freedom, but oh, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Well,
2: we'll talk about that in a minute. So we'll listen yeah. to your next track. So um, you've chosen um, Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. So tell us about that one.
3: Yeah, uh, well, I think just in recovery, um, what I've learned, I've in and out of recovery and relapsed so many times, worked this time around, like the last four and a half years, I've got myself a, a sponsor stroke mentor um, and a lot of doing a lot of digging, soul searching mm-hmm. self-reflection, self-development. And you can't lie from yourself. You can't hide from yourself. You you know, you can't lie when you're writing them answers if you're doing written work. So it's pretty clear, you know, Look at you've got to look in the mirror at yourself. Um, and then at the end of it, be happy with the person you look at in the mirror, you know? For the person you, you are now. So um yeah, it just just says it in the title again, really.
2: Yeah. Brilliant song. Mm-hmm.
5: Listen
1: to it now. <laughs>
2: Was Michael Jackson and Man in the Mirror. You're listening to Recovery Now Radio, Let's Recover Together, brought to you by the Living Room and Adveriad. Uh, today we're talking to Dean um, about his gambling addiction and his recovery. So we were talking there a little bit about you know having the ideal job as a, a cabby dark driver around London and you're in this cycle of earning cash and just mm. going straight straight off to, to gamble it. So so the consequences quite early on were, were quite big then, were they for you, you know, financially and emotionally?
3: Yeah, um, I'd become a cab driver in 2000, um, but just about a year before that, I'd had my first ever big win. So the story is, there. I got into it, is that like I, I, I had a big win with my, my surname's Frost, and I backed a horse called the Touch of Frost. I'd see it in a newspaper, out the, out the corner of my eye, probably the worst thing I ever did, see this horse, it won. A very big price, and um, and I won a lot, a lot of money for a, what would have been at the time twenty, twenty two, twenty three years of age. Um, and I m- remember thinking, cool, that was easy. Why didn't I have more on?" And I could, when I become a cab driver, because I was training to become, like, it takes about three years of training to become a London cab driver. I thought, when I become a cab driver, do you know what? I can have a right go, go at this and make this a career. This a- make this a living alongside being a cab driver. I become a cab driver. In 2000 by 2001, 2002. Very quickly, I got got into addiction. I, I would say, and you've heard the phrase. I mean, sometimes it's slow, subtle deterioration, slow, progressive. I think I got into addiction very, very quickly. You know, I was I, I, within 18 months. I saved up tax money. My accountant told me, save your tax money up. When you become self-employed, make sure you put your tax money to the side and save up so you're always, whenever you, that tax bill comes in, you've got it to pay. I did for about a year, 18 months. Um, I think two thousand end of two thousand one into two thousand two I spent all the tax money I'd saved. Um and I think then all of a sudden I realised, Jesus, I've got I've I've stepped over that invisible line of addiction. So I was going into the betting shops for um it may be ten minutes or for a ten pound or for one bet. And then very quickly it become twenty pound or twenty minutes and two bets, four bets, five bets. And then before you know it, it was like it took off, and I was in a betting shop for eight, eight, ten hours a day. Um, maybe in between, going to do some jobs, but I, or running to the ATM to get some money out of the cash machine, or on the phone to ring the uh, the banks up to lend me more money. So, uh, I think I went I went into addiction pretty quickly, um, and I knew my, I went to my first GA meeting about two thousand two, two thousand three. I was living at home with my mum and dad, and I remember going in there, and my first phrase was, "I'm not I'm not bothered about the money. I want my head back." <laughs> So, you know, at that time, it wasn't financial. Although I'd lost money, I was in a position where I was living up with my mum and dad where finances weren't that important. I just wanted my head back. I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't. Every day I go to work, go, please don't go in that betting shop. Please don't walk in there. Just don't, just go to work. Just work, do a steady eight hours of the, for the day. And once you get four o'clock, go home or five o'clock, go home and then finish your day. Just whatever you've got in your pocket. And, um, I'd just go work in the morning, or something by 11 o'clock. I'm the only one in the betting shop, and then come six, seven o'clock at night, I'm still the only one in the betting shop. Or, or I've seen people come and go through the day, and I'm the last one in the betting shop. So, mm. um, yeah, so yeah, very quickly, yeah.
2: Did, did, did other people
3: know then how serious it was? Or no, nah, I kept it, everything was a secret. Mm. So, the only person, every now and again, I'll tell my wife, uh, she was my girlfriend then, and fiance then, but I've got a problem gambling. Well, at one stage, she said, Do you think you've got a problem with gambling? No, no, nah, nah, I don't think I have. I'll be all right. I can, tr- I can control it. Mm. And I remember thinking, Nah, what's she going on about? Um, but yeah, later down the line, the only one that I always knew about it was my, my wife, um, Heidi, and she yes, yeah, like, and when I, I finally done enough damage, whether it be six months of gambling and in real bad debt, i tell her. And then if, it went, if I went back, which I've done loads of times, back to the gambling, Another year of gambling, and then I will tell her, and um, so she was the only one that knew. I only just told my mum and dad two or three years ago. I had to tell them in the end two or three years because I, I had another tax bill looming, so it was like it's time to tell them. But I kept it a secret. The only people would have known is the other cab drivers or punters in. I used the same two betting shops in a, in Westminster. You know, so it was generally the same cab drivers, as the same. Civil servants, load of civil servants around Westminster. The same people in there every day, and the only people I would have probably know was them. But they're probably looking at me, thinking I'm compulsive. I'm looking at them, thinking, "Well, you're in every day." So, um, yeah, it's, I kept it a secret. I think it's a. I say it's a one addict We so often say at GA. Um, it's a one addiction that can sort of be hidden. Now, mm. so with with alcohol. There's a there's a side effect of oh. someone's drunk or you know oh. maybe looks dishevelled or you know whatever it may be. you know, just you can maybe smell it. we we've get uh, um, with drugs it, uh, we've, we've, we've overeating you know we can tell oh. if someone's over it. Um, but with gambling you can sort of hide it you know, know you can it's not a visual you know although I would say this time around when I relapsed last time and I went back gambling for eighteen months and I've stopped for four and a half years this time, um, I was getting, I had p- heart palpitations, when I was in the betting shop, I had heart palpitations, pins and needles in my arm, um, tense neck, sore back, um, very tense around the shoulders. You know, but the, the, the worst, you know, pins and needles in your arm, if you, you know, you Google pins and needles in your arm, it's, it's something related to the heart. Mm. So it actually, towards the end, it, w- it, had a, it had a physical effect on me, you know? Yeah. So, you know, talk about other addictions it did have a physical effect on me, but no one would have known that only me. Cause I can yeah. feel it. Um, but yeah, I, I could e- hide it. Mm. I could hide it very easily. It was, um, yeah, I've become a master of lie, lying. Do you know what I mean? Mm. How, you yeah. know, my wife, I walk indoors, she'd go, how's your day been? And, uh, you could just, yeah, lie, lie through mm. your teeth, you know, mm. and just make anything up and go, yeah. Or why are you late? Why have you done such a long day? Cause quite often I've done long days in the cab. I'd, Punches. I told told I broke down. I broke down the M25. I broke down at Heathrow Airport. I broke down here. And I, you know, she'd go, Corey, cool, you've now got an unlucky cab. It's always broke down." It wasn't. I was standing in a betting shop.
2: Cool.
3: I had yes. to make this excuse up why I was late or why I weren't coming on.
2: Okay, so we'll stop there, um, Dean, and we'll go to your next track, which is "Train in Vain" by the Amazing Clash. So tell us why you've chosen that one.
3: Well, I was never a Clash fan until I was in there. I was in my cab. I was working on a bank holiday Sunday. So vividly remember this going across Ealing Common, and it came on Absolute Radio. They was doing some great hits, or uh, I can't remember. What, and I had to, I had to go, I actually thought it was a modern song. That's it. I actually thought it was a modern song. So I see it was Clash Training Vane, 1979. I just, I just, I think it's uplifting. I, I, I go to the gym. I could work out to it. But also, it's a, a bit about. Um, Getting his, getting the girl. What he, he actually in this song he doesn't get the girl. But I'm very fortunate. I, I kept my wife. I mean now she stood with me. So, a bit of a, bit of a reverse of the story of the song. But um, yeah, just like the upbeat song, of it uh, motivates me. And uh, yeah, training vain. I suppose we've got to train a little bit when we we're in recovery as well. So tra- retraining our brain. So that's
2: Brilliant. it. Brilliant message. Yeah. just listening to um, The Clash and Train in Vain and you're listening to Recovery Now Radio Let's Recover Together. So Dean that was a great choice of music there. So we're just sort of starting to talk a little bit about you realising how the gambling was starting to affect your life big time. So do you want to pick up about the journey then? You've mentioned about going to Gamblers Anonymous, getting some support there. I know reading your bio your um recovery hasn't been straightforward um so do you just want to start telling us how that
3: sort yeah of so I, I, I remember say i, I think vaguely I, I, you know when you're in addiction sometimes lose track of time of um of your, your timeline it's just it rolls into one it's like you're on this hat I, I like i call addiction being like being on a hamster wheel and just um I can't always remember to recollect the exact dates, but, you know, come, come 2002, 2003, I, go, I, I know that I've, I've, I've had enough of gambling already. Um, I'm losing far more money than I can afford. It's becoming painful. And um, I don't know how out of the blue, I just rang up. I found it on, I don't know how I found the, the number. I just rang it up. It wasn't in betting shops. There wasn't the number of GA. It was, I found it on, on a website of some sort, and I rang it up and I went to my first meeting. I actually went to an open meeting where they're celebrating people's a- having years of abstinence. It was a celebratory meet- meeting. And I walk in, and I'm, I'm welcome with open arms from people. Come and sit down. You know, There's, there's nothing but love and compassion in these rooms. And um, they sit me down. And they said, look, if you want to share later on, feel free to share. And quite often, people in their first meeting never want to talk. They just I want to listen. But I, I got up, and I was quite happy to share. I very, kept it very brief. I remember saying, I'm not bothered about the money. I just want my head back. I think addiction's like being in the middle of a, a forest and it's raining it's misty it's murky you've got the noises of the animals like you know that uh, uh, you know you just and you just want to see some daylight you go just get me out of this just get me out get, you know get the get the clouds to lift get the the noise to quieten down let me see a little bit of daylight that's I feel like that's how I can explain addiction being in the middle of nowhere and just noise pain you know um and um, I went to my first meeting. I actually stopped for about six months. I think I went to that meeting, and then I started going to regularly to a meeting every Monday um, in Marylebone. And I did what every many people do: is I thought I've cracked it. Yeah, I don't need you know. I've been coming for six months. Thank you very much. Thanks for all your shares. Thanks for all your support. Um, I don't need you anymore. I've cracked it. And uh, very quickly, I went back gambling. Probably the first bet. Um, with gambling, I always hear the threat. You know, my my first bet was always with strategy, but once I'd that first bet, the second bet wasn't with strategy. It was off. It was numbers. It was names. It was it was. I didn't really bet on roulette, but it was horses and dogs. It was anything. You know, I, I, you know, battles and forth to the to the counter, like You know, like the only thing I can explain is like I had a bungee rope on my back. You know, like you know, <laughs> I'd run back to the uh, to the ATM, but that bungee rope's pulling me back into the betting shop. So um, yeah. So I was. I relapsed, and I, and this has been my story for for, for a good 15, 15, 17 years. I relapsed. I oh no, so, so yeah, fifteen years. I relapsed. I can't recall how many times. I actually stopped twice for two and a half, uh, for three and a half years. I actually had abstinence for three and a half years. I remember I love, going.
2: I love the way you describe yourself in your bio. You were a serial relapser, you said. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah. I, I am. I'm probably at, when I go to my meetings, I'm probably the, the serial serial. You know, I, I, they. I was the I was the one trying small bet experiments. Because in, in GA, we've got Little Orange Book, it says many of our members have tried small bet experiments, but they've always like so they've gone back after years of abstinence, some of our members have gone and tried some small bet experiments. And it says in the book, always with disastrous results, i.e., you know, I go back gambling. If my last bet was a tenner and I said three years off, I'm good when I go back, I'm not gonna have a pound on. I want Tenor to get that um. same buzz and that same hit or that same adrenaline rush. You know, in the end, it was more than Tenors. But we, you know, I don't, at meetings we don't really share money because it, you could have a multi-millionaire in the room and you can have someone that's got a very, very low-paid job. It's relative. It's it's relative to your life. You know, Absolutely. I have seen all sorts of people in in, in the rooms come in and out. And it it is it, 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 it is it painful? Yes. Did it? Did I lose more than I could afford? Yes. Um, did it hurt in, in the end? Yes. So in the end. It, um, you know, that's the criteria of, of, I knew I was a compulsive gambler, as I say, 2002, 2003, very quickly. But I just had to keep going back for these small little uh, <laughs> trials, you know, like I was the, the scientist trying it out, saying this time around, it'd be a little bit different. And when I went back, it was no different. It was like, I'd never left that bet. Three and a half years of not betting and being at that betting shop, I remember thinking, it's not, I've never been away. Mm-hmm. It was like, so I always felt, com- I enjoy betting shops. I mean, right now, It's very sad that the the addiction is on the phones. Some people haven't even got to leave their bedrooms to go and gamble. You know, you could land your bed and, and, you know, like there's a phrase in GA, we go, a click of the mouse, you can lose your house, you know, and and you go, if you really think, break that down, you go, that's, that's like someone with a press of a button, you could lose your house, you know, you know, I mean, you know, the anonymous programmes don't like getting the political side, but, you know, you can't. You can't not sort of go, this is not right. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Someone can sit in their home and just give their money away, everything they've ever worked for. But, um, yeah, so I'm a serial relapser. Um, I relapsed so many times. I've I've got all sorts of stories of the pain, the horror. Uh, You know, money burnt a hole in my pocket. Um, But in the end, I I finally come to some sort of um, sense on uh, Wednesday, 12 o'clock, Wednesday i think the 4th of uh, 5th of april 2017 i uh, gambled very little i had 34 pound and 92 pence in my bank account i took 30 pound out it lasted me about 5 minutes and i thought i can't do this anymore uh, my my story is i had two two big loans i had a credit card i rented my cab and i was about 10 to 15 weeks in arrears on my cab i mean now the guy kept me kept me cuz he could have just can bring your cab back but he knew that I've been with him for 15 years, 20 years renting off him. So he knew I was good for my money eventually. So I had to come with, up with a payment plan with him. And, but I walked indoors. Where I'm sitting here is this is exactly where I walked in. And my missus went, why are you back home from work already? I went, I've done it again. And um, that was it. Yeah. She went, I went and The first thing she went to no, know was how much you'd done, how much you lost, what credit cards, you you know, what loans have you got? You know, not really about me, you or the family. Just what loans, you, what, what, have you, what financial damage have you done to the family?
2: I'm going to stop um, you there. Yeah, I'm going to stop go you there. We're going to play. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> That's right. I'm absolutely gripped by the story, but I'm going to fit this music in. So, um, so the next song is "That's Life" by Frank yeah. Sinatra. So, go on. Why this one?
3: Uh, well, I love crooning. I was brought up on crooning. I used to go to working man's club with my Dad. They'd have Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin in the background, Sammy Davis Jr., Bobby Darin. I was trying to think one, find one that was under three minutes or about three minutes, but this probably this is quite a good one in terms of it talks about being up and down, over and out, which is pretty much addiction. You know, we've all had the ups, lows, but, you know, mainly lows, the hits. Um, yeah, just just to say that's part, you know, part of getting up and down is part of life, you know, just getting back on the, uh, going again, never giving up. So, yeah.
5: When I'm back on top... Back on top in June I said that's life That's life And as funny as it may seem Some people get their kicks Stomping on a dream But I don't let it Let it get me down Cause this fine old world It keeps spinning around a pawn and a king I've been up and down and over and out and I know one thing Each time I find myself laying flat on my face I just pick myself up and get i'm gonna roll myself up in a big ball and die
2: my my wow that was um frank sinatra and that's life gosh what a song there that was a true dedication to your determination i think dean to to get you know to get back in this race you know having having all the struggles that you had to um get clean and sober and you know stop stop your your addiction and you know you carried on didn't you you really fought for it so yeah great song there yeah reminded me of my dad too (laughs) so okay so so again Talking about you know that moment that that date that's you know really sort of in in your head now, um, things are really really bad. So what what happened then? You know, um, did, did did you just embrace again with GA or?
3: Yeah, well, the the mad thing is you always know that these places work. I don't know if you've ever sort of had similar yourself. You go, I've I always felt. I mean. The, the opposite to, I felt comfortable in a betting shop, but when I went to GA meetings, I always felt comfortable there because people were talking my, for years, were always talking my language, you know, like, you know, only another addict knows another addict, you know, like an, like another addict, you know. It's just when people start talking, you go, yeah, that's me. I've done that. Yes, that's me. Yeah. Oh, I'd like a bit of that. Or, so, um, i this time round, where I'm sitting there is my, my, where my wife was sitting doing some work and, and she asked me what um, financial damage I'd done and um, there and then she gave me the, uh, the uh, cards to go and pay my cab off. She went, right, go and get all the money out and go and clear the cab debt um, and a few other bits and pieces. And then she went, right, And well, she's she very angry this time round. My, my wife's had moments of being very supportive, very loving, calm. We get through this. We'll, I'll help you. We'll sort of be supportive. And then this time round, it was like, not again. I can't live in this house, not knowing whether the money's going to be coming through the door, uh, or you, you know, you're in a betting shop every you know every hour. With our, while I'm at home with our daughter, so um, my wife said, right, well, this time round, you're going to go back to GA meetings. She went, but you know, you can keep talking about your GA meetings, but you're going to have to do something different. She went, you're going to you're going to go and see a CBT therapist. You're going to see a, a psychologist. Um, psychotherapist a counselor whatever it is you're going to do something different and and just in the last few years before that people had started working the recovery program properly with a sponsor in the meetings GA is quite a young fellowship compared to AA and some of the other so there wasn't a a massive amounts of talk there was we read the 12-step recovery program but To be honest, I'll tell you what, people people used to read it, and I used to read it for 15 years. And we used to look around and go, does anyone know what they're going on about here? Yeah. Like, you know, like it was actually a recovery program that no one was really working. We were just reading it. So luckily enough, we had people from other fellowships coming to GA to sponsor people to get, the, to get the ball rolling. And so... My wife basically said, you're going to have to do something different. I said, look, I'm going, to, I'm going to go to a meeting tonight and tomorrow night, and I'm going to go and find someone. I know one or two people that I'll, i really like to, to sponsor me and take me through the recovery programme. And luckily enough, the following night, I went to my Thursday night meeting in um, near Great Portland Street, near Regent Street, and I asked a guy to would he sponsor me. He said, yeah, that, no problem. He said, we're speak in the morning, and then I'll give you... Um, <laughs> i will give you a couple of suggestions and bits and pieces and what to follow and what you, what you need to do next. So I ran up the following morning and went, right, okay, tomorrow or, f- or the following day, we went. I want you to meet at seven o'clock at Costa, West London. Like, it was about 50 miles away. And I'm thinking, seven o'clock in the morning? I can't do that. Yeah, I've got to get up at half 4, four in the morning to beat all the traffic to get, to get there. But I did do it. And the point of it was, is if, you're willing to do, if you're willing to go any lengths to gamble, you should be willing to go any lengths to, to stop gambling and put the hours in, it was the best thing I ever did, so um, rather than going down my route that my wife had said, counsellor or a therapist, because in my head I thought I can't afford a therapist, £500 to, or for two, £200 an hour, I used to hear these, I'd go for a sponsor, anyway it was the best thing I ever did, he's um, um, still my sponsor today, um, I went through the steps with him, it took me about nine months to go from step one through to 12, everyone's on a journey, it could take. It could, you could go for it quicker. And you could go for it longer. It could take some people two years, three years. But I think the aim is to get through people pretty quick and and, and, and consistently. Um, So he took me through a recovery program. Um, Some of the suggestions he said to me, start writing a gratitude list daily and send it to me. Ring me up every morning uh, at a certain time. Um, Come to meetings, GA meetings. And give yourself some, a position at the GA meetings. So I end up, for a year, I make tea and coffee at my meetings. Now, at the time, I I had some nights where I went, I can't be bothered to go there and make tea and coffee, but it made me go. Um, and it, you're giving something back. He said, by the sounds of it, you've been taken from these GA meetings, but you've never given anything back. And he go, yeah, probably you're right, you know. And that's quite painful to hear from someone. But if I'm honest, you're a bit like the man in the mirror, you've got to be honest and go, yeah, you're right. And, you know, quite often when people tell you the truth, it hurts. But it hurts for a reason, you know. I often say I've spoke a lot about pain in the last few months. Pain is for purpose. There's a reason we're given pain. And, you know, it could be a painful comp- comment from someone. You, go, you, you get, you've bloody told me the truth there, but the truth hurts, you know. So he said, you know, you sound like you've been taken from these meetings and given nothing back. Then my whole th- uh, my outlook has changed. I now go back. I do go for me, but I go for... The newcomer, because new, oh, everyone was always there for me every time I relapsed. Every time I walked back in the GA room, there's probably the same five to ten people were still there, plus another twenty coming and going like myself, you know, or newcomers. So, um, yeah, this time around, I've, I've done something totally different. I worked a program um, of recovery. It talks about having a gradual spiritual awakening. Mine wasn't quick; it was grad. It's a gradual. I'm always learning. I see it as a. One thing's putting the addiction down, the next thing is changing. If I don't change, I'm going to go back. I I now believe I'm going to go back to gambling if I don't change. So, what's the recovery program for me? Self-development, self-awareness gives me a bit of self-awareness, a bit of honesty, you know, a bit of self-honesty and a, a bit of yeah. It's um it's what I, I base base my life life on and my 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 view, my, my, my views and my, my outlook. I I see life through a different pair of glasses today than I did four and a half years ago. So the, the common theme, why did I keep relapsing? I didn't add the recovery programme to my meetings. I kept going to meetings and just taking. I needed to do a bit of work. Brilliant, um, yeah. I mean, it's yeah.
2: music to my ears, everything you've said there. I mean, it's it's just, you know, classic recovery there. You know, you've, you've summed it up beautifully, really. Yeah,
3: have. I think yeah. I, the little bit I'd say is if I, I, would, I would gamble anything from 20 hours a week to 60, 70 hours a week, depending on how long my money would last, mm-hmm. And I see people come to the fellowship and, or trying to go to other groups, whatever it may be, and they want to do one hour, you know, and that's fine. They're going to learn eventually, hopefully, along the line, that one hour ain't sufficient. But if I'm gambling for 60 hours a week, one hour, it's not going to suffice. You know, yeah. we look at other illnesses, you know, we wouldn't just go to the doctor once a, once a year for a, a, a major illness. We'd, go, we'd have to go to him regularly or go to a so it's the same you know one, one hour ain't gonna suffice so i put no. quite a lot of hours in this recovery Brilliant. You know, so. yeah
2: yeah okay dean so um we'll listen to your next track um you've chosen human by the human league why why this track
3: well it's a it's a love it's a love song i think it's a love song but it was just a, a couple of lyrics stood out to me a couple of years ago you had these defining moments when you listen to some lyrics and you just talked about being human we're made of flesh, flesh and bone, of bone, but also we're, we're, we're born to make mistakes. There's a little little passage or verse in there that just sums it up really going, we are human, we're not perfect, you know what I mean? We, we are born to make mistakes. I can't keep making the same mistakes though, you know? So if I keep making the same mistake, I've got, to, something's got to change. But we are human, so we can be, I can I can live in self-condemnation a lot and criticize myself, but I have to acknowledge I'm human and we all of us make mistakes and, and none of us are perfect. Absolutely.
1: Come on, baby, dry your eyes. Wipe like your.
2: that was human by the human league you're listening to recovery now radio let's recover together brought to you by the living room and adveriad and today's guest is dean um so we've just been talking dean about your gambling addiction and your recovery and you know you're well into recovery now i know you you obviously do put a lot of work into it and I, i know exactly what you mean you know i i do a similar program and and understand that it's it's every day now, isn't it? We have to work at it and, you know, keep that very close to us and, and put recovery first, really. So I just sort of want to ask how, how has it kind of changed your life now that you have recovery and, and that you are working the steps and, and how, how has that altered things for you and your family?
3: Oh, it's a really open question as well, isn't it? Because there's so many uh, areas of life that sort of change. I just think as a consequence of working the programme, Got more self-awareness, or having a bit more self-awareness. You know, I've developed a self-awareness. I've because so I, I work for a book, little book called Rumi. I don't know if you've seen a little book called Rumi, where it works for, um lots of character defects. And one of my character, de- I've got quite a few character defects. I've got strengths as well. I think that's one thing I've learned as well. We we, we like to condemn ourselves and think we're we're all bad. We're made up of of negative and and defects. We're, we're many most human beings have some quality lots of qualities as well. I think one of the, the things, having a bit more self-awareness has allowed me to have a bit more understanding for others. And in return of having an understanding for others, you can have more empathy for others. You know, I was, over the years, I've been very impatient with people, quite vindictive at times, sarcastic, critical, judgmental, you know, gone from a life of maybe cont- trying to control situations, control people. In the end, all of that's dropped. You know, there's a lot going on in the world today, you know, um, and... Lots in, you know, lots of people like to create drama. And probably I like creating drama years ago. And goes, you know what? All of that's dropped. You know I me. Mean, I, I can't. Generally, I try to steer clear of gossiping. Try not to judge anymore. Although it can be not. It's not always easy when you watch telly and you watch politicians on telly or you watch people. You know, you, you know they're lying again or whatever. But yeah, I try to have a bit more. I think a, as as a consequence of developing better more more self awareness. That's allowed me to have more understanding and, and empathy, patience, tolerance.
2: So do you draw on all that when you're working in your cab?
3: Yeah, I, I do. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I ain't going to sit here and say, like, oh, I am. I mean, yesterday I went to a coffee shop and someone was a bit slow. You know, my head was turning over. The cogs were turning over again. Hurry up, will you? <laughs> like, or, or you know, like my head's going. Just, just, just go take their money and hurry up so I can get my coffee. So I'm not sitting here <laughs> saying that I'm perfect. You know, I, I, I've just turned over this like I'm four and a half years of recovery, and I'm now some sort of. It, I just, I recognise it all of a sudden. I go, Paul, slow down. Do you know what I mean, In the, the, the 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 queue, this queue for coffees is not about you, and this person, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It, you, you, you just allow it gives. I think working a program just allows us a bit of pull, an opportunity to pause and go. Right, why am I feeling this? Why am I? Why am I? Why am I feeling this way? What What, what am I in a rush for? You know, I wasn't even in a rush. For, you know, what, what What am I getting aggy for? I've i worked work as a cab driver. My dad had a newspaper shop when I was younger. I've worked behind a counter. Do you know what I mean I, I've been the other side of counters? Do you know what I mean taking money? You know, like we're not always you know quick ourselves. You know, what I mean? so I don't know. Just, I think there's a progressive like. Everything in in the, in the the recovery book is sort of about it's like recovery sometimes quick sometimes slowly some people get it quickly some mm. lots of things happen at different speeds and and there'd be moments in like go God, why do I feel like that like you learn something new every day um yeah so that was something yesterday you know like I was getting impatient in a in a queue and my, my, I was having a, a conversation in my head you know like <laughs> say don't hurry up I'm going to say something
2: mm. why. And do you find um, yourself sort of with people in your cab, you know, a bit like a hairdresser, really? Do, do you find yourself, like, listening and, and having to kind of cancel people or...?
3: Do you know what? My, the last four and a half years, especially during lockdown as well, because I think, I think there's a... A different sort of, there's an awakening going along. I think people are in a little journey during this last 21 months. I really do. Even if those are not in addiction, you know, maybe people have lost their jobs, lost their businesses, or reflected upon life, thinking life was too fast before the lockdown. Yeah. So I think I've noticed in the last four and a half years, I've had very different conversations. Maybe I promote them. So, like, sort of push. You know, you get people on board. Some people can be very, very wooden, very, very... Very um, black and white talkers, and you can't, you're not going to get into their that conversation. But some people, you, 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 there's a little light that comes in a conversation. Something light lights up between you and that customer, mm. and you go, I can go somewhere else with this mm. lot conversation. Mm. And we talk about, and in the back of the cab, many people. I mean, in London, you, you see Pilates, yoga, boutique yoga shops have opened up in the last five years. Why is it? Because people are. I truly believe people are on a different. Even if they're not in addiction, I think. Yeah. There's a bit of an awakening happening. People that realise that there's the human mind is more capable. It's, it's, I think we've been conditioned to be dumbed down a little bit through addiction, through spending, through commercialism, through advertising. So I do have these conversations with people. It could be, a, you know, I, I'll tell you this. I can spot an addict straight away. As soon as they start talking, and you, quite often I gone they talk about very quickly you go i, 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 I might ask a posing question they go well i've worked the recovery i'll do a 12 step and i go in my head i got i know it you just get this spark between two people who oh. work or in a, on a different journey different on a different on, on a different timeline or a different yeah the, the conversation seems to flow somewhere and you just know yeah. you can open up with people so it could be a cancelling you know, they say we're like hairdressers, aren't we? You know, it's like yeah, you can set, say anything with cabs. You've got ten, ten minutes, ten, fifteen minutes, but some can be. I've had some blinding conversations last year since I've been gone back in the cab because I, uh, during the lockdown, I, I went and worked on a building site because because of the the industry and because of London being a ghost town. But I've gone back in the last so six six months, and I've had some really eye-opening conversations. I okay. think there's a there is an, a, a, something nice happening as well alongside the. The, the lockdown, you know, or the the, the, the the virus or the pandemic. There's people are waking up to maybe we were stuck in some sort of conditioned yeah. way of living. And I think the mind, we've got so much more. We've got so much more potential as human beings. I, I think I've learned that through the recovery program, actually. yeah, Maybe a lot of unlearning and relearning. Brilliant.
2: Okay. So we're going to play your next track. It's the nearly the last one. We've got one more after this. And you've chosen Real Gone Kid by Deacon Blue.
3: Yeah, I, I like Deacon Blue. I like, loved them as a kid, yeah. uh, in, you know, in the 80s. Reminds me of a bit of childhood, like this song. But this is related to about three or four years ago, my daughter, when she was six, seven, when I stopped gambling, we used to sit at this table singing songs. And I would sing this the the uh the lead singer ricky ross and she would come in with the uh, the female you know so we had a little bit of recovery and a little bit of moment where we could sing together now she's 10 she doesn't want to sing with me i go do you want to come and sing she goes like that (laughs) no i don't you're embarrassing so but it was a nice little moment of of a couple of years of recovery where i sang with my daughter and we we sing together so you can't buy that
2: no brilliant
1: reward. And I'd show you all the photographs that I ever got and took. And I'd play old 45s. But now mean nothing to me. And you're a real gone kid. Maybe now, baby. Let me know, let me know, let me know, let me know About all the old 45s And the paperback rooms And it's scattered all the photographs Of summers and suns And you're a real old kid And never now, baby
2: Kid by Deacon Blue. and um, You're listening to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. So, sadly, Dean, we're sort of coming to the end of the interview. It's it's been an amazing interview. You you're a great guy. Um, I read your bio and instantly knew I'd like you. And you know, hearing you talk so honestly and openly about everything is uh, it's just been great. And you're a real inspiration. You know, to to people that want to get recovery and. Uh, you know it's it's just been lovely to hear your story and i think really i just wonder whether you've got a message for people that are perhaps very early on in recovery or you know just maybe just you know just thinking about it you know contemplation or whatever you know what have you got a message that you could perhaps yeah i think
3: people yeah don't make the same mistake that i made it's just um yeah, I mean, I think I can never say, I try not to say to people, you've got to do this, you need to do that. I just say my experiences or what I've seen in others or what was suggested to me is is this time around, my experiences is, is there's more. there's been more growth for me with working a recovery programme. So, yeah, if if you are in a an, an, an anonymous programme and there are people out there willing to sponsor, you know, maybe... You know, you ain't got to dive straight in. You go for a coffee with them, find out a bit about them. You, you know, you don't have to particularly like that person. It could be they've got a strong message. Sometimes having a relationship with a, a sponsor that's quite black and white with their message. And although I haven't got that relationship, my my sponsor, I'm very fortunate, very loving, very very compassionate, and a, 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 at the same time assertive. Um, yeah, d- don't hang around. Try and hang around. Just doing one meeting and thinking one hour's enough. I think if whatever whatever addiction you're in if you're willing to, to spend a lot of hours in that addiction, then you might have to spend quite a few hours trying to get yourself out of that addiction. I think the phrase I've often said to myself is, you know, or I've heard in, uh, in the meetings is my desire to gamble was great, but my desire to stop gambling has got to be greater. Oh. And that might mean taking a bit of like putting a bit of effort into the recovery. So I, I just, you know, my experience is I, I spent 17 years in and out of the, the, the meetings, doing an hour here, hour there, foot half foot half in, foot half out. Get right in there. Go to meetings. Be early there. Offer to get, make tea or coffee, or to put the chairs out, or or just to take people's numbers and give them a call. It could be any any sort of service. You don't know you don't know what impact you're having on other people. And then at some stage later down the line, try and review and go. This is not just about. It is about me because if I if I'm not in recovery, I can't give anything to my wife, my daughter if i'm not in recovery i can't support others that are coming through the doors but yeah view it that i'm not doing it i think um I've, I've read in this bit of recovery i read a book called um detoxing the ego by stephen Stillvestra. he's a cricket psychologist uh, psychotherapist he's worked in big business and with teams but mainly with england cricket and in his book I remember one day going to GA and I actually thought I can't be bothered to go tonight. And I was actually reading the book and the line stuck. It must've been timing synchronicity. It says, having a purpose great in yourself makes life living easier. And I went, wow,
1: Uh
3: you know, actually most people in team sports, most people CEOs that are really good for their, their company, put their team first before themselves. The footballer that puts the teammates before him. You know what I mean, or it's a greater than just him and his own. Mm. And that made sense to me. It was like the perfect moment because I was actually probably maybe have gone, I'm not going to you anymore, I can't be bothered. And I actually read that and gone, so yeah, also try and think about you're going for you, but you know, may I always I work for a charity at the moment called Ganfam as well and I'd say all the people on the on the group,
1: mm.
3: try and stay in there and your main it's one of your main ha- aims should be to be a mentor or support someone. Mm. So you've always, you know, you're you're helping someone, because you've gone through it yourself. So yeah, and we don't
2: yeah. we don't have to do it on our own, do we? We're
3: not. Nah. on our own. No. Nah. So yeah, just yeah, just try, don't. Yeah, my message: is don't don't wait as long as I did to to work the program, and yeah, just see it as it worked for us. Try and do it for others as well as yourself. You know, there's there's a there's a lot of recovery in that. I'll
2: second that. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Well, sadly that that we've got one more track and um that's it so i've got i've got a few kind of thank yous to to say so first of all thank you dean very much for coming in today and um like i say you've been been a real inspiration and uh it's it's been a really good fun interview so thank you for that some cracking music too took me back a bit (laughs) so um yeah i'd like to thank recovery now radio um to all the listeners we're doing this to Put the message out there you know that there is hope please carry on listening we need your support please keep following us on facebook there's all sorts of posts going on there about things that we're doing um we've got a couple of um special programs going out we've got the birthday show which is going out live on the december the 3rd which i think is a friday is it a friday yeah good um uh, so that's going out soon so if you've got any dedications or you're celebrating one day sober clean whatever you know please let us know we'd, we'd love to play you a song um, and we've also got a special christmas show and um, that we're going to pre-record that will go out on christmas day because we know you know christmas day can be quite a lonely time for people so you know our message is you know yes we can recover and you know let's recover together okay dean so we'll play your final track and um you've chosen for that one new lights by john mayer so why
3: this one? I think this is a lockdown song. You know, while I was in lockdown, um, I'm, I've got a man crush on John Mayer anyway. So, <laughs> um, it's got a nice little vibe to it. It's the love song again. I just, me and mom, it helped me and my wife because we went through, I lost my job really through lockdown, my wife lost her job. We put this on every night or, you know, just it's a feel good factor. She likes it and I suppose it's dedicated to my wife really because, how, how, how wives put or, or partners put up with people in addiction do you know what I mean and still stay, stand by some you know I hear some stories I'm very fortunate my wife stays with me but stayed with me but some don't so to my wife to my daughter and it's just a bit of a feel good song and less a new light I suppose the opposite to uh, our old light you know like recovery yeah takes us into a new light and a new way of living so yeah to my wife
2: what a way to end the show that's fantastic thank you Dean <laughs> Take two I wanna
4: break through I wanna know the real thing about you So I can see you